My name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hey, writers, it's Sandy. We have a great guest on the show today, best-selling author and screenwriter Claire McGowan. Claire's latest book, Let Me In, was just released, and the Irish Times said that it's a naughty, twisty tale, which unfolds at a cracking pace. Let's get into it. Claire McGowan, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Writer's Hangout. Hi, thanks for having me. How has your summer been so far? Well, it feels like it's kind of over a little bit. It's been raining a lot the last week or so. so uh, yes, you're, you're in London at the moment, correct? Yeah, that's right. And now I had some friends that were in London about two weeks ago. They said it was really sunny. Is it back to rain? It's back to rain, yeah, or very humid and rain and sun and all different kinds of weather. I love to start with a little round of would you rather, are you game? Sure. Okay. Would you rather live a peaceful life in a small cabin in the woods or a drama-filled life in a mansion in the big city? (laughs) I think I probably already live the drama-filled life in the big city, so (laughs) probably that one. Would you rather have a tattoo of a title of the last book you read? Or the last TV show you watched, you have to get a tattoo. I probably got a TV show. I can't think. I'm struggling to think what the last book was I read. Even though it would have been literally yesterday. So <laughs> I was reading so many different books. What was the TV show you were watching? Oh, uh, it's probably and just like that. But I'd be I'd be happy to have a tattoo of that. Okay. Would you rather lose your keys or your cell phone? Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Probably keys just because I could always get someone else to let me in and it'd be a lot easier to replace. You can call a locksmith. Yeah. Would you rather read the book or watch the movie? Probably the book. Okay. Would you rather be stuck on an island alone or with someone who talked incessantly (laughs) about Downton Abbey? Oh, definitely alone, yeah. Doesn't matter. (laughs) If they talk incessantly about anything, yeah, definitely alone. (laughs) Would you rather attend school at Hogwarts or live in Narnia? um, Hogwarts, definitely. Would you rather read your writing to an audience of 10 people who love you or to 10,000 people you don't know? That is a very good question. I'll go with 10,000 because at least they'll be hearing my work. Would you rather your best friend avoided all mention of the manuscript you sent for their thoughts or your mentor? Hmm. Probably friend. Friend? Yeah, friend. Yeah. That does happen quite often, actually, in, in the world of writing. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. Would you rather be trapped in a drama with people you hate or in a horror movie with people you love? Oh, definitely a drama. Yeah, it'd be too scary otherwise. Yes. 
Claire, hey, congratulations on your latest book, Let Me In. It was released June 20th of Mm -hmm. 2023 this year. And I have to say, I really did love what a twisty thriller. And does anybody tell the truth in your book? Yeah, there's a lot of secrets. But what I wanted to do was have have it where people were keeping a lot of secrets, but they weren't necessarily bad people. They were lying, but they weren't necessarily bad people. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about Let Me In? So it's about a young couple who moved to the countryside. So they've, they've been living in London during COVID and the wife is a doctor. So she's pretty burnt out with her job. So the husband tells her he's found them a house in the middle of nowhere in Cornwall. And because she's so busy and burnt out, she agrees to just buy this house without seeing it because it's a really good deal. And then when they get there, she has a feeling she's seen the house before somehow, but she doesn't know why. And when they move in, this very strange things start happening in the house and they discover that it used to belong to a, a triple murderer who was also rumored to be the local witch. So that's where the locals are also hostile to them. And then as the story goes on, you kind of gradually reveal lots of different secrets that people are keeping. So both of them have links to the house that they haven't told the other one about. So good. The underpinning of the book, as you were saying, the couple, Helen and George, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The couple moves in from the city to the country and they're going to re- renovate a house where you kind of had me right there. What an interesting way into the story. And Helen's never seen the place, as you mentioned. Now, you grew up in a small town in Northern Ireland and then you moved to London. Now, I know it's the reverse. You know, maybe someday you might return or maybe you'll just buy a second house there. Was that your inspiration for your jumping off point? Um, uh, I don't think so. I think I moved such a long time ago and I didn't, I didn't move straight to London. I moved to university first, which was in Oxford. But that did seem like quite a big town compared to where I grew up, which was very much in the countryside. Um, right. And I don't think I'll ever move back to the countryside full time, but. So it's more kind of inspired by experiences that friends of mine have had with renovating houses and having a really terrible time with the builders and so on. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in Northern Ireland? Yeah, so I grew up in in the 80s and 90s. So it was kind of a strange place because it was very, very quiet in some ways, very rural, very peaceful, but also a lot of violence going on in the background. So yes. quite commonly would see... And I didn't even grow up in a town. You know, it was really a village. It was a very small place. And I'd get off the school bus and walk home and you would quite often see soldiers in the bushes or in the fields. So it was a very strange kind of really? combination of things. Yeah, but they, were, they would often be training around there. So you would like walk down the road and see, oh, there's a soldier. Yeah, he's got his massive gun. Yeah, it was always kind of a little bit frightening. Very, that's scary. My people are from Ireland. And I always think of Northern Ireland. I guess I always thought of it as city because that's what I saw on the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Belfast certainly would have been quite dangerous and quite right. um, quite sort of militarized at that time. So we didn't go there very often because we thought it was kind of dangerous. So I grew up just above the, just over the border. So almost in Southern Ireland, but not quite. Very, very pretty area, very quiet and rural. But still, we still had a fair amount of things that happened there too with the violence. And what kind of movies and TV shows did you watch growing up? 
we did together a lot. So we only had four TV channels. You could get like cable TV, but we, my dad wouldn't get it. And still, still to this day, we'll not get it. So <laughs> there was a bit of a, a limited amount of things to do. Like obviously we didn't have any, you know, this is really before the internet or ebook. The cinema in our town closed down for about five years at one stage. So there just wasn't very much to do, really. I, I did used to watch quite a bit of TV. So I would just watch whatever was on. Like I really liked X-Files. I really liked it. So whatever my parents were watching, basically, I would watch like ER. Loved Friends as well. Frasier. All of those great oh, Who did you like in Friends? Who was your favorite? Chandler. Definitely Chandler. Chandler. <laughs> you read his autobiography. No, I didn't. No, I hear it's quite interesting. Hmm. You know, it kind of changed my mind a tiny bit about him. Um, well, maybe a lot about him. I like Chandler. But, uh, but that book is really interesting. He's very honest in that book. Yeah. And I, I have to give him so much credit for that. But uh, yeah, back to Let Me In. In the book, which is herbalists are, are part of it all, uh, a large part of it, actually. What do you think a witch is? Can you, uh, what's the mission of a witch? Well, I think in the book, it's, it's important to say also that she doesn't like being called a witch. So yes. she thinks of herself as a healer, a herbalist, a kind of a lay doctor, I suppose. Her grandmother was quite a well-known healer, so she's inherited all of this female-based knowledge about plants and herbs and medicine. Um, so she doesn't really consider herself a witch, but she does dabble in spells. She doesn't like to talk about it much. But she dabbles and she also would read the tarot and things like that. So maybe slightly in denial about her own. So nowadays it's quite, it's having quite a resurgence, the idea of being a witch, especially on TikTok. And I think it just means people that are open to certain beliefs and like, like to connect with the natural world as well. Yeah, I sometimes think it all started when a woman decided, you know what, I'm tired of the village picking on me. I'm going to live outside the village and I'm just going to do what I like. And I don't know, society just can't handle that. An independent woman that can heal and it's thought of as bad voodoo. It's not by some people, not all. Mm -hmm. But if you needed a healer back in that time, you might even call her a witch at the town square, but go to her for help. Yeah. So she feels the people of the village are kind of willing to turn on her because she knows all their secrets. Right. You have such an interesting mind, such an interesting thing of renovating and this the family that lived there before. I was just so drawn into all of it. You're really good with the atmosphere, like the difference between when George sees the house for the first time and Helen sees the house. Do you do an atmosphere pass? I don't do a specific pass for that. I did do a fair bit of research for this one. So I'd been to Cornwall quite a lot and then I went again and looked at some particular sites like stone circles and standing stones and things, holy wells. So I kind of went around, I guess, and soaked up the atmosphere a little bit that way. Cornwall is like just an area of these quite cut off. And yeah, it's got a huge history of witchcraft and paganism and beliefs in things like pixies and mermaids and giants and fairies and all kinds of things like that. That's so lovely. Now, you said it's kind of cut off. What do you mean by kind of cut off? Uh, it's on a peninsula right down the end of England. So just, you know, it's kind of surrounded by water on three sides, quite narrow in parts. So just hard to get to. So I, I went there last year to do the research for this and normally it would be 
like a six-hour drive that took 11 together this time because of the traffic. So it's, it's quite get far. out of town 11 hours to get to the seaside from London. Yeah, well, I know that doesn't seem like long to non-British people, but for to drive that far in Britain, is that is quite a long way. You ran UK's first MA in crime writing for five years. Bravo, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and still teach. Yeah, I don't teach as much now, but I still do the odd workshop now and again. Oh, cool. A two-parter. And oh, are your workshops online? I think online now, actually. Sort of a bit of a holdover from COVID. So yeah, they almost all are online now. Anyone, any writers out there that are listening could just Google your name and find yeah. a class or workshop that hopefully you might be teaching. Yeah, so I take part of a few for the Guardian masterclasses. They're, they've started to be always online now. And they're always at a time that is usually good for most people globally. I kind of prefer teaching in person though. So I hope that that comes back more because it's just a feel much more of a connection with people doing it that way. Yes. What is your best advice for someone who wants to be a crime thriller writer? So specifically for a crime, I'd say, well, not just for crime, but I think you have to have a really good story. I think it's, there's a lot of people writing, especially their first books, and they write very well. They have a nice prose style. But they're they just aren't writing a story that anyone would particularly want to read. It's just not there's not enough going on, or it's just not an interesting enough premise. So I'd probably right. say make sure you've got that really locked down. Um, and particularly for crime, it has to kind of stand out a bit nowadays because there's so much of it around. What is the best piece of advice someone shared with you about screenwriting? Because you're also screenwriting. Yeah, I write a lot of crime as well. I do find screenwriting much harder. And I'm trying to think if anyone has ever actually given me any good advice. It just seems to be a really difficult industry to navigate. So I think like much harder than publishing. I think it's all, it's kind of all about concept again. So if you come up with something that will really hook people, then got a much better chance. But no one seems to know what that is. Or like sometimes I'll come up with things I think are great concepts and doesn't quite get the traction. So I think it's very... It, but, and books are like this too, but even more so, it's trying to chase trends. So if something has done really well, they're always trying to look for what the next thing is that might be a bit like that and always trying to second guess mm-hmm. a little bit what people might want to watch. Now, I saw on your accolades, winner Nickelodeon Writing Fellowship. Was that here in the States? Yeah, it was in LA. I'm sure you and I have traversed the same hot valley sidewalks. Were you in the valley? <laughs> I was in Burbank. Well, tell me about it. How did you like it? Was that your first time in the States? What do you think? Lots of questions. No, it wasn't my first time. I've been there a few times. I'd even been to LA before, but in my teens. It took me quite a long time to kind of get under the skin of it. It's quite a difficult town, I think, to get to know. And I didn't really love, I didn't love it as a place to live just because I love walking everywhere. I'm just used to you know, being able to walk places in London. So yeah, that was, that was kind of odd to me, not be able to get anywhere easily. But yeah, I found some yeah. great spots. I ended up really liking the Silver Lake area a lot. The hip part of Los Angeles, Silver Lake. Well, that, yeah, I lived in Burbank, so not the hip part, but I would go to Silver Lake quite a lot because it was not too far. I love Burbank. I think it's very <laughs> good old Burbank. Definitely not hot hip though. So. <laughs> now tell me about the writing fellowship, Nickelodeon. What was that like? They run this year-long fellowship for American writers who, when they kind of train you eventually to work in TV comedy. 
And then for international writers, they had a six-month program. I'm not even sure if they still do this part of it, but they had a six-month program where you could go and sort of jump in and do this, do the last six months of it. And they would get you a visa and everything to work there. So I have an amazing opportunity, really. So had everything paid for me, everything paid for my flights, my accommodation, and pay you a salary as well. So where did you live? You know, those giant apartments that everyone lives in. They've changed the name of it a few times, but I think... Maybe it was called Avalon when I was living there, but it's oh, like young ones. It used to be exactly. where the kids would all live, their moms, and the kids would come out for pilot season and divorce dads. Yes, like, yeah. There were a lot of students there when I was there as well. So a lot of like 19 year olds. What do you think of fellowships and internships? Should the writers out there uh, go for it all, be picky? What do you think? I think it's very, if it's, it can really seem like the be all and end all. And I know I can certainly get a bit, there's certain things I've applied for loads of times over the years and not got them and you can just feel kind of rejected. But I think it was definitely not the only way in. So yeah, I would say definitely don't obsess over it. It's worth applying for by all means, but the reasons why you might not get them are just, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't mean that you're not as good as those people. So just yeah, absolutely right. not the only way in, and you might find a better way for you. Right. It sounds like you've had some good experiences. It can be, but you have to be able to take it up after that yourself. Yes. Did it take you a while to kind of figure that out? Because you have very impressive bio, resume, your website, and I noticed there are quite a few accolades. Did it take you a while or did you just have it in you to know right away that, yes, this is an opportunity, but it doesn't necessarily make the phone ring? I don't think it made that much difference for me, to be honest, because I came back to the UK afterwards and the two industries are quite different. So I guess I'm actually not really sure that it was a huge boost to my screenwriting career. Mm -hmm. so if I was going to stay in LA, then yes, it would have been, but okay. Didn't have to um, for that. learn in a fellowship at least some craft. Yeah, you? definitely. Although we were still learning how to write spec scripts of existing shows, which is not something you really need here either. So definitely yeah. great. I'd say definitely great if you're based in the States. Right. Or you're planning to stay there. You know, and that brings me to, you know, several several of your books are in development for film and TV. Mm -hmm. How does that work in the UK? Did you pitch your book to a producer or do they approach your agent? How, how are things different from Hollywood? Not too sure about Hollywood, but over here it's usually, it can be either. So your agent will usually send it out, send the book out to a few producers equally. So they might hear about it from some other way and then get in touch with you. And then they will option it off you. That can be a variety of levels of money from very little to quite a nice amount. Hmm. So in my case, they have brought in different writers each time. So I've not been that particularly involved. They would usually send me the the documents that get produced, the treatments and the scripts and so on. But I haven't well, adapted any of my own work yet. Is that hard for you? Do you really want to perhaps write the screenplay? Or are you happy writing the book and just kind of letting it go? I can see the value in both. Like, I think if, if someone else adapts it, it turns into something quite different. I can definitely see the value of that, but I would also would quite like to have a go at adapting something of my own as well. Are you surprised by any of the books that were chosen or did you perhaps maybe write one book and that's the one you want to see in the big screen? You can just see it in your mind, but something else got optioned. Um, 
it, yeah, it's always a bit weird to the things that do get picked up and the things that don't. I would say so. I, I do have one book that hasn't been optioned yet. That to me seems like a very obvious adaptation. It's I think it's a bit similar to Big Little Lies, which worked so well on TV. So, but you can never really tell. It's just a whole variety of factors come into play of what people, what producers think people might want to see or what they think is a current trend. What is your writing style? Are you a morning person? I'm not. Well, I think the first thing to say is that I don't write new things every day. I don't know if anyone really does. So a lot of the time is just editing. So it doesn't, it's not really like hours of writing new words. It's more like fixing old things. And I'm not much of a morning person, so I don't usually get started much before 10. I'm not a morning person either, and everyone else in the world seems to be. Well, I hate when people say, oh, you know, if you've got to get up at five if you want to achieve things, because I could get up at five, but I'd just be tired. I wouldn't be getting enough sleep because I would never go to bed early. So, you know, there's no way I'd ever go to bed before midnight, so I'd just be tired all the time. Yes, I know. And then they have to add on, take a freezing cold shower. A lot of propaganda on Instagram, TikTok at the minute about getting up super early, like get up at five and then do all these things. And I just wonder if everyone's just really not getting enough sleep then. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Been taking a class in playwriting for the last couple of weeks. So I have that in an hour. So I'm going to finish up here and then head out to that soon. Oh, fascinating. Are you thinking of getting into playwriting? Yeah, I have written a play, which is a strange career move because everyone knows there's absolutely no money in playwriting. But I've really, I've really enjoyed learning about something different and just being creative without thinking too much about where it's going to go. That is lovely. The one thing that I notice about playwriting, and the listeners can come at me, it's such a simplistic view, but not a lot of business for entrances and exits exits. In books, it's so elaborate. In screenplays, it's very crafty, learning how to get your characters in and out of a location. And in plays, I find it's just like lights up and everybody's there. Not always. I think what I'm learning from this class is there's actually a whole lot of different things you can do with stage that you wouldn't necessarily have thought about. We're looking at some plays where For example, the characters might break the fourth wall a lot, or you might have one actor playing lots of different characters at the same time, or just kinds of things that you wouldn't imagine you could do with this small space. And I've I've tended to write very, as you say, lights up there, they're talking, but I've learned that there's loads of different things you can do with that. Like it doesn't have to be quite so, so natural. Yes. Claire, would you like to give out your social media so our writers out there can follow and find you? Sure. So I think everyone's in the process of leaving Twitter at the minute, aren't they? But I'm still on there. Ink stains Claire. And on Instagram, I'm just Claire McGowan writer. So pretty easy to find. I haven't got onto threads yet, but probably will have to at some point. I'm putting it off because I feel like I have enough social media in my life. Claire, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And I hope you come back again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay. Hope we'll get to meet one day as well. (laughs) That would be wonderful. In Burbank, I'm sure there's the Talleyrand. I think the Talleyrand is in Burbank. We can go there. Thank you for there. So I lived in Toluca Lake, if you know that where that is um, in Burbank. Oh, Oh, Toluca Lake, one of my favorites. I never have seen the lake. No, I know. So I used to go, I used to walk around there quite a bit and I'd be like, where is this lake? It must be here somewhere, but it's all private. So you can't actually even see it unless you have a a lakefront house. 
It's so LA that you yeah. can't see the lake. I know. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Claire. Bye. Thank you. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Vern. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music by Ethan Stoller.